Let's go to John chapter 4. It's not an unfamiliar passage, but I want to look at it with a particular focus in mind. I guess it was three or four weeks ago we were here and we were working through that series on women's role. We were in 1 Timothy chapter 2. And not just in chapter 2, but in the whole letter, we, we, we observed how the church had just lost sight of their mission. They'd gotten sidetracked in controversies and quarrels and disputes. And, and Paul is just saying, Timothy, keep them. Stick, stick, to the, stick to the mission. Stick to the mission. And Al, Alice Solomon in our, in our last, it was two weeks ago, our last class, we were talking about all the controversies and the discussions, and, and we have to talk about these things, of course. But she said it's just important, and I agree with her, that we never allow these things, that these difficulties and areas to cause us to lose sight of, of, of reaching the lost, were her words, of evangelizing and making disciples. And so I thought, um, I, my ch- the challenge was, I thought I had two Wednesday nights, and I was, oh no, I'm, I was with my dad last week for his birthday. So Jake... Jake could do one class, so we had one more before um, we start a new series with Alan next Wednesday. And so um, I was trying to think, what could I do in one Wednesday? Uh, I, I decided I wanted us to go into John chapter 4. And I, I, I have entitled this, The Art of Making Disciples. Um, I think that comes from a, a Sunday afternoon series I'm doing with a group of young couples Karen and I are, and it's um, from Song of Solomon, and every one of his lessons are entitled The Art of the Art of Intimacy, The Art of Affection, The Art of Romance. And so I thought of the art of, of making disciples. Um, I, I just love John chapter 4. It has really spoken to me many times from the perspective of how you reach out and share your faith, how you engage someone. And when we talk about the idea, uh, engage someone in the sense of the development, the establishment and the development of faith. And, and, um, and, and I, I see there are two models of it, which is quite interesting. There's obviously the model of Jesus, how Jesus did it. And it's just a, a phenomenal, just the different things. He's, he's got like, there's probably 10 to 15 of them here. Uh, he did this, and that's a really good thing. He did this, that's a really good thing. But then after Jesus, then... This Samaritan woman becomes an evangelist. And she becomes incredibly effective in helping lead people to Christ. And I mean, that, that was an incredible transformation uh, that you see there. And so, I guess primarily all that I want us to do tonight is um, the question we want to answer to ask and we want to answer is what practical lessons do we learn from I doubt we'll have time to go to the Samaritan woman maybe we will um, what, what, what we're gonna, I'm going to read chapter 4 verses 1 through actually two sections on Jesus before we look at the Samaritan woman verses 1 through 26 we'll kind of identify some things there and then we'll move into chapter 4 verses 27 through uh, 38 I guess it will be and just, what, what do you see in Jesus? What practical lessons do we learn from the example of Jesus and how to make disciples? And making disciples 
it, it, I guess it's, there are many steps, but the two primary things, bringing someone to faith and then helping develop and mature them along in their faith. And so this is primarily, I think, focused on that first stage, that bringing them into this place of faith. Um, and I want you to do this. And I guess we could do it in a, in a confessional sense. Cause, and I'll be honest with you. I, 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 am, I don't think, I, I think there are many things I would have done differently had I been in Jesus' shoes on this day. Had I been the guy sitting at the well. And uh, so I want you to be thinking about how what you see in Jesus contrasts and compares to how you might have done it differently. And I don't mean that boastfully. I don't mean why I would have. Uh, I, I mean it critically of myself, to be honest. I guess it would be critically of myself if that's fair to do. And so what I'm going to do is, is I'm just going to read it and you're going to pay attention. And you're going to be looking for if you want to. Oh, there's something he did. There's something he did. And then what we'll do is rather than Rather than like Jeanette sees something and she mentions it. And then we talk about that for five or four minutes or however long. And then we forget the other thoughts we had. And I, maybe I'm projecting my memory issues on you all. But I thought what we'll do is I want you to give me just uh, two or three word memory hooks. that I see this. I see this. And we'll, we'll identify them first. And then we'll come back and look at each one of them. And if you're the one that suggested it, then I may even start with you. Okay? So we'll do that. And be thinking, had this been you... How would this story have turned out perhaps differently? Um, and if you think you could have done a better job than Jesus, then, then so be it. Let it be known. <laughs> okay. Chapter 4, verse 1. We'll start there and read through 26. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, which is interesting. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was... So you're going to notice when there's a point that I think is significant, I'm going to do that. Or tired as he was <laughs> from the journey. He sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. 
he told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five, five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you've just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the, the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they, they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. That must have been kind of a goosebump thought for her to hear. Um, what, what practical lessons? What do you see that Jesus did that shows us the art of making disciples, of engaging her and taking her where she was and bringing her along the way to faith and to following. And I'm not saying to the point where she was mismature and everything, obviously. First of all, he spoke to her. He spoke to her, okay. What else? And we're going to come back and go, well, I mean, that's so obvious. What's your point? It's a very important point. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how this, how you, we would do this, but he intentionally brought up her situation with living with a man. Okay. I mean, he's the one that said, go get your husband. He knew what the answer was going to be. Brought. Brought up where she was. Brought up, can I just simply say brought up her sin? Yeah, yeah, yeah he went that with, brought up, yeah, brought up her sin. Yeah, let, let's, all right, we'll come, come back to that. He answered her question. She had several questions that she asked. He answered those questions. And, yeah, yeah. But it's kind of like she asked this question and he answered it, but it's not what you have expected. She wanted to go here and he answered it by taking her here. Yeah, so he, he answered questions and I'm okay. It was directed. It was directed because she said, what about this? And he goes, yeah. And he talked about this because she was trying to, felt like redirecting. So I'm, I'm going to say, we'll come back to that in a minute, yeah. I'm not sure how to put it, but she didn't just get direct into it. So she said, she need to be saved kind of thing. He, well, first of all, I guess he kind of built a relationship with her in a way. pointed out her sin. Yeah, his first comment wasn't, I think you're living with another man. <laughs> That was not his opener. So you're trying to figure out how to put it in words? Yeah, but it reminds me of um, another soul-winning tactic is you approach somebody and says, if you were to die tonight, do you know without doubt that you'd be going to heaven? Yeah. Those are the questions that we lead into it. Yeah, you sit down on the plane. Correct in doing that than what Jesus was doing. He, Jesus didn't do that. So I'm, I'm going to put down, if this, if this is not putting into words what you said, he started out on common ground. 
Is that it? He started out on common ground. What else do you see? Going along with that, what I was going to say was uh, he started with the known to discuss the unknown. Okay. He started out with the known to discuss the unknown. So there's a lot of intentional direction here. It wasn't just casual. He, had, he was going somewhere with this. He had an agenda, you might say, which is okay. There's nothing wrong with him to save someone. The other thing that, that I noticed, my parents had a record, and they had a song, You go to your church, I'll go to mine, we'll get along together. And so basically, anybody can do anything, you know, kind of stuff. But Jesus doesn't say, you can live in your sin in, still, or you can even worship where like you worship. He says, us Jews, God pointed out the right way. You Samaritans do it a different way. But you're not supposed to be staying in that place. You're supposed to come to a new place. And that's where Jesus is trying to show her the new way that's coming, even though it's not there yet. I, I guess. Okay, yeah, now how do I, how do I? If I were to put it into words, don't allow them to continue to live as they have been living in the lost state. Well, that sounds like to me, called her to repentance. There's change. Yeah. Not only change morally, but change in her theology. Yeah. Called her to repentance. Um, others. It's not really answering the question you're asking, but I find it interesting that she seemed to have a fair grasp of spiritual things because of the questions that she asked. Because uh, she, when she finds out that, I mean, when he addresses her, and she then she went, and maybe she's just redirecting the attention away from herself. But she asked uh, about worshiping in Jerusalem or on this mountain. And then she says, we know that Messiah is coming, and when he gets here, he'll explain everything to us. And I think for a woman of the time, that was probably a lot of knowledge she had. She would have been taught in synagogue. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good point, yeah. I thought that was an interesting thing, that she actually had a fair grasp of spiritual things mm-hmm. just by the questions she asked. Of another what he was bringing up. <clears throat> um, don't get distracted with questions that are relevant to salvation. In other words, somebody might say, well, "What do you believe about the rapture or miracles or this or that?" Or that you know, which can be talked about once you get clearer. But don't get distracted, sidetracked, trying to answer the little. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that one there. She she tried to do that twice, at least twice here. And Jesus says, no, we're going here. Let's go here. No, we're going to talk about this. Uh, uh, and yeah, that's, yeah. So this is, there's probably a lot more conversation, correct, than is recorded. So so it's likely, yeah, likely there's more conversation than here's. Telling of what happened. So if I were to retell a story about tonight, I would 
hit some of the high spots, but I wouldn't tell the entire thing. So I would, I'm just guessing that he talked to her more than just that, the red letters in the Bible. <laughs> I think there is probably, I don't know, just my imagination. There would be more than just that. Okay. And so, and I, I, I am guessing what I think your point is, that it was conversational, it was relational, it was natural, it wasn't, hey, I'm a Christian, I go to church here, I'm trying to save people, but, <laughs> and you're a lost person, there was a natural, is that what you mean, a relational conversation? It wasn't really something for you to write up. Oh, okay, okay. Thinking about, like, the things that we're saying are just probably part of it. Right. I just am curious, what did he say to her? What did she say to him? You know, what all happened? Were people watching? But You know, it's interesting. I've always kind of pictured it as nobody is there. Nobody is around. But that's probably not real. And, and he, she did say, she said to her, her town folk, he told me everything I ever did. Well, which leads you to believe it might have been more than this conversation that he, you know, which that must have been really freaky. Um, I just see Jesus really cared about her. I, I just feel that she felt that he cared. I think that's important. That's when you're talking about with relational. He's got to really care about people and where they're at. Yeah. Because you can. It's not about being right. You, you, it's not about being right. You can evangelize. But do it in such. But, but, sorry. But, but not really. You're not really caring. You're just doing the right thing and you're on this strategic mission. But do you really. People, people can tear, tell. And I would guess she could tell that he cared for her. Another thing is um, somebody in ladies' Bible class one time said, see, stop, see, and say. Stop, see, and say. So, um, okay, okay. This person, how I am when I'm really tired. So Jesus was tired, and he was thirsty, and I'm guessing he was hot. So if I'm tired, and if I'm hot... It's really bad. I don't want to stop and see and say to anybody. I don't put, I probably would put another person before myself. I would, I, I'm not sure what I would do, but I just, when it said that he was tired, I was like, oh. Okay. I just know how I am, and I would might not even have the energy in me. So now you're taking us in the direction that I wanted us to go. Of had you been here, how might this played out differently? But your mouth was going like that, and then Jeanette didn't see it, so she spoke. So you, you had something, you didn't see it. So don't worry about it. No, I want I want I want to come to that, but I want to grab this first. Going back to what Benita was saying, it reminded me. I don't remember who said this quote, but I really like it. It's truth without compassion is hostility. Truth without compassion is hostility. You know, okay, that's, that's a really, yeah, yeah, there's some, yeah, there's truth, there's truth in the, 
Now you're going to this church and it's really messed up. Or you're living like this. So there's truth there, but there's compassion. And, and the opposite could be said in the inverse that compassion without truth is also, yeah. Sorry? Compassion without truth is hypocrisy. Yeah, that's right. There's no way of saying it because we see a lot of compassion and compassion now is such that you don't want to speak the truth because compassion says don't say anything that's going to hurt. But that's kind of what I was saying that she, he brought up her sin. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't ignore it like, oh, that wouldn't be kind to her. He knew that yeah. that was kindness to her. Yeah. To bring up where she was. Compassion. There's compassion and truth. Some people are real good at this one, weak at this one. Some people are real good at this one, real weak at this one. And it's just, he's the blend. So had you had been there and not Jesus, how might this story have turned out differently? So one example is, I would have been so tired, so thirsty, so hot, I probably would not have engaged her at all. So, so you might not even cross that first step, right? Yeah. How, what about for the rest of you? How would this story have turned out differently? As I understand it, noon was when most of the other women were not there. And so this outcast woman went at noon, and Jesus probably figured that out. And so he made himself available to reach her at her needed time and space, place. Um, but I don't know if that means we need to go hang out at the bar so we can <laughs> talk to people. Um, but at the same time, don't just talk to people who are already churched. Did you notice, did you notice Sunday? It was incredibly intentional that it wasn't me that might have happened to meet that Miss USA in the cafe. Well, me and Karen. <laughs> I said that. That was very intentional. What are you doing in the cafe in this America? <laughs> you know? uh, because, yeah, you, it's like, here's Jesus alone with this woman. You know? So had I been there, I might have been more on my guard because Karen wasn't going to be with me and people are going to see me talking to her. And I'm not criticizing Jesus at this point. All right? Uh, how else might the, the story have turned out differently? Well, you know that him speaking to her was not socially acceptable because when his disciples saw it, they were like, he broke social convention. Crossed social barriers. He was also persistent. Persistent? Whereas, if I, first of all, I would have talked to him personally. Right, right. I don't want Right, right. So you might have felt like, oh, I'm coming on too strong and backed off. You might have. Yeah. He was persistent. See, see, you see, how do you how do you preach a sermon? That this is like a whole series. No wonder I spent so long in Jude. You see how it happens? Don't, I mean, here we're in we're in twenty-eight verses, how are we? And look at this. You can't do all this in one sermon. And they're all good points, aren't they, Benita? I do think there's things that God incarnate can do that we can't. Okay. Shouldn't. So, would God um, 
want us to cross maybe safe conversation? You know, would he want you to be talking to a woman in an, possibly an inappropriate place? Or would he send Jeanette and I? Yeah. So I, I do think we can... Unrealistic parallels to us and Jesus, yeah, maybe, yeah. yeah. I, mean, mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't think I should necessarily bring up that someone's living in sin because I don't know that. So, you know, it's a, you know, that was part of God's witness. That's part of Jesus' witness that he was God. Yeah. He was the Messiah. So, um, so I, I think we, we could be a little careful there because we do want, we don't, we don't want to cross social barriers that, would, that are sin kind of social barriers as yeah. opposed to social barriers like, oh, you can't talk to someone who's below you or above you. We want to be wise. Yeah, yeah. When he's sending disciples out, be, I'm going to speak on shrewdness this Sunday. And he says, be shrewd, serpent. So there's a wisdom and a caution. But you go and you're bold. But you, you, you have wisdom. Okay, how else would this... The other side of that, you, know, you don't want to... don't want to not do it because of what other people might say. No, totally. I'm thinking about where, like, my, my sister-in-law in Nashville is working with the Middle Eastern women. Well, the women work with the women. You know, they don't set it up with the men or with the women. Because it just isn't, it wouldn't work as well. And that's okay. You shouldn't barge into a, a culture, and I guess it's a culture sensitivity. We want to be sensitive to the cultures when we yeah. Yeah. That's more what I'm saying. Yeah. Cultural sensitivity, not social barriers. Would be we want to we want to be sensitive to how their people are feeling. Right. How would this have been different? If it were me there, is that what you're asking? If it were you there. Okay, so I would probably say, huh, she's living with somebody that's not her husband. I think I'll tell Eddie. <laughs> that happens. It happens a lot. Well, there was one couple here that I knew for a bit of time that they were living together. But I was like, I sure. I mean, they should. But I hope somebody who's gonna, somebody should talk to them. That was what. I yeah. Was yeah. And you did finally, but. I don't, I'm pretty timid when it comes to stuff like that. Yeah. So, so what do you think about, you know, just kind of... Uh, the, the truth is... I, I don't think I would do that. I don't wake up in the morning. I just want to go convict people of their sin. You know, it's like, so it's not, I don't think it's something any of us get up and look forward to. Um, so that's one way in which this story might have turned out differently. Especially in the first setting. That might be the difference between me and Jesus. Uh, had I, had it been aware to me that she was living in sin like that, yeah, I I I, I am hesitant. I I need to. I I am in a conversation with someone right now who's incredibly receptive to the gospel and is living sec in sexual immorality, and I keep hoping that he's going to say, "Okay, Eddie, here's what's going on," and I keep hinting for him to tell me because. Honestly, I have done that and then they've disappeared. Because I told them they're going to hell. 
and I didn't. I just said, okay, there's a, there's a wall here between you and God we've got to work on. And, and I, I've lost people. Cause I, so um, I, I'm, I might not have spoken to her at all because of what you said. I'm tired. I've worked. And it's like, I've done enough ministry. It's time for me to chill now. <laughs> no, there, there are times when I just, okay, when I'm on an airplane, when I'm on an airplane, sometimes I don't want to talk to them because I just want a break. And, um, uh, but yeah, but, but watch what he did. Watch you go to Mark 6 and it's like, he says to come, I love this, come away with me by yourselves to a quiet place to get some rest. All right, let's go. They did. The people followed him. He goes, all right. And he taught them. But then he dismissed them. But um, I... I wonder on that because did he send all the disciples away to town to get food or did they all say, I want to go to town? Does it say? Why did some of those disciples not stay behind him at the, at the well? And I think that was something the Spirit set up so that Jesus would have that time to talk with her. Yeah, that likely had the disciples been there, maybe that conversation wouldn't have ever happened. And so it was a divine appointment. I think what you've got right there is you've got to be careful not feeling guilt that you're not everything for everybody. Yeah. But you, not to, you need to be really listening to the Spirit when it is your time to speak. This is a moment. I find a lot of times I will say... Because I am one of those people that have told people that they're doing stuff wrong. I'm, I'm a blunt Westerner, and, and I have a very dear friend who's been a Christian a lot. A couple of them that have been Christians a long time. Because I stood, told and told them, "You're, you're gonna, you're gonna fall away. This is what's gonna happen." So, um, but I've learned to say, if I'm supposed to have that conversation, God will set it up. Yeah. And it's interesting how many times he does it. He says no to me. You're not supposed to say anything. And then times he says yes. So trusting God's divine guidance in the moment. And it's interesting. Why did Jesus had to go through Samaria? He didn't have to really. But why did he have to? Right. Usually they detoured. And so it's kind of like Philip had to go on that road where the eunuch was because the spirit said go on it and so there it was it feels as though it was a divine appointment um you know i i might have um been a little bit hesitant because she's a stranger you know okay i want to be easy here you know um maybe i'll meet her have visual contact next time spark up a conversation um I'm, I, you might, somebody said this, if she's a loose woman. And so sometimes I prejudge people's receptivity. They're not open. They're not receptive. Why even try? That's happened to me before. Or at this moment, I might have just left it at the conversation about the water. Maybe I would have started out on the common ground. Water, you know, instead of saying, if you fell in that well, do you know and die? Would you go to heaven tonight? You know, um, I, I don't have as much a problem with, hey, this is really good water, isn't it? Uh, and that well, who built this well? You know, and I can do that. 
Uh, but I might have left it there. Um, I, I wrote down there's different levels of conversation in making disciples. There's no conversation at all. There's surface. There's religious. There's spiritual. There's conviction. That's the sin part. And then the, it leads to conversion. Um, don't you think... Jesus, don't you think she would have been more astounded after the conversation went on and she realized that he knew everything about her and he still yeah. was talking and showing. See, to me, I still see this face that cares. So there's that compassion. There's that compassion. And I think of it, um, Mark 10, it said Jesus looked at him and loved him. Yeah, yeah. I really think... Um, she could see that he loved her, even though he knew all this about her. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the key to the whole thing. Yeah. When you're talking, when you talk to someone about um, the choices they're making that's going to hurt them, it's the love, not wanting to condemn them, but you're going to pray for them. Yeah, yeah. What their life is Showing that, yeah. That, that makes all that difference, and it's back to what that whole phrase, truth without love, hostility. So, I mean, I think our hearts have to really care if we're going to... Yeah. Yeah, we don't... All right, that's our strategy. Let's go do it. It's like, we love. Um, so I'll just share with you some of my thoughts that are very similar to here. But you just jump in and say what you want to as you do. I was looking at the clock and I want to not share these things. I think one of the things you notice about Jesus is that he was out among people. I don't think we mentioned that one. Maybe we did. Um, you know, I, I wondered, did Jesus have an office? <laughs> uh, did Jesus ever invite anyone to church? Uh, he did outreach in the temple. We know that. <laughs> to a lot of lost religious people. But Jesus is out there where they were. And uh, truth is, if he only waited for people who came to his church building, it's likely he would have never met this woman. Uh, there are some people in our community who will probably never come through these doors. And maybe it's because they've had bad church experiences. Maybe it's because they don't have the right kind of clothes, they think. Um, they don't think they're good enough or they think that we're hypocrites or we're boring. And so I just, Jesus is out in the community engaging people. Uh, and now here's the thing about it though. Though I say that, we are ama I'm amazed at the number of visitors and guests that come through the doors who are really unchurched right now. We, if, if we just worked with them alone and we, we're very diligent about there aren't we Richard in his ministry and Jeanette um, so so it doesn't mean just out there. there there's some work to be done in here with our guests that are coming in I, I, I wrote down he wasn't selective and judgmental um, there was a race barrier there was a religious barrier there was a gender barrier there was a moral barrier and and uh, I just I have this I have made the mistake in the past of thinking they're not into it, they're not open, why even try? And then found out later that they were. Um, so it's just a mistake to prejudge their 
receptivity. Um, everyone you meet has a soul that will spend eternity in heaven or hell, period, regardless of who they are. And so um, give them an opportunity to say no rather than assuming that. I sometimes make the assumptions of that. Um, and, and, and those barriers look beyond the symptoms. And, and then I talked about he began on common meeting ground. He, um, you know, looking for an icebreaker. So there's somebody I don't know. I don't know if they're a Christian or not. What's a safe starting way, you know, to have a conversation with them? Um, I wonder if there's something to the kind of question my inclination would probably be it's a beautiful day, isn't it? I mean, just very non-committal, nothing, nothing required of you. But, but his question is, will you give me a drink? And he wasn't really wanting just a drink. He knew exactly what he was doing, don't you think? Yeah. He's, he's asking something of her. And maybe the, is there something to that kind of question Asking something of them rather than, isn't it a good night? Uh-huh. Uh, so it's kind of, it's, it's almost like you're uh, forcing the issue right up front uh, with your question, will you do something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that might make them more approachable. Uh, but then, so he started out on common ground and then kind of like, directed uh, she asked these questions and he went from water to spirit he went from the physical conversation to the spiritual and he says you know if you drink the water I have to give you'll never thirst again and so he's directing and sometimes it's easy to stay in the surface but he went to the deeper spiritual um, I have I have an advantage because of my job and so it's really easy for me, you know, because well, what do you do? And then, boom, there's my opener for people. Uh, and it's, I've been with Kelvin at Wooglands. Um, Joe and I meet there every Sunday, Saturday, uh, Joe Gambrell. And Kelvin always comes to our table. And so I've, I've been somehow bringing stuff up. And, and he asked me how the week went. And I said, oh, I'm working on this sermon, you know, and... And he said, what are you talking about? I said, okay, well, I'll tell you what I'm talking about. Then this past Saturday, he came up to me and he said, well, how did that sermon go? And I told him. And, and uh, so it's just me trying, trying to do this. But, you know, the other Sunday while I was at church, you could say those. Or, oh, yes, you know, the, that, that place is close to my church. And then all of a sudden, they, if, they, if they say church, you go to church somewhere, then, you know, or, or a friend of mine from church said to me, so you toss that in or... Um, but then I think another thing is somebody says, maybe it's the compassion, is that he recognized her need and offered her the cure. He, he, he said, I want a drink because he knew she was thirsty. She had been drinking of all these men and still was empty. And, and for, to, to go out there and realize there is a world filled with empty people and I have what they thirst for. Um... That kind of gives me courage and boldness to realize I have what they need because there's part of me that's reluctant to share my faith 
because I think, oh, they don't want to hear this. It's going to put them on the spot, or they're not going to be there. Or, but to realize, I have what they need. This is they're thirsty, and if I can somehow engage them here. Um, and then another thing I put down here, he didn't get bogged down in religious debate and didn't get sidetracked with distractions in the sense that verse 19 through 21, let's see. Oh, she goes, oh, you're also you're a preacher, you're a prophet. I see our fathers worshipped over here on this mountain, but you Jews claim the place where we worship is in Jerusalem. So she goes, oh, I go to church here, you go to church here. And the next thing you know, you're talking about Calvinism versus Armenianism or baptism by sprinkling versus this and and Jesus didn't go okay yeah well let me no he 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 didn't he he answered that but he drove it back he says yeah yeah but and so he 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 didn't get bogged down in religious debate and then also uh he went beyond the spiritual to conviction and Benito's right he did have one distinct advantage but still when you come to a point of realization, there, the sin conversation should come up eventually. It needs to come up. And we need to have the courage to say what, at whatever stage. Because um, when he said to her, go call your husband, <laughs> that wasn't accidental sticking his foot in his mouth, was it? He knew exactly what he was doing. And so, so um, having the courage to bring people. They're now uh, speaking of courage. Uh, I put that he was bold. Um, he talked with strangers. He directed the conversation. Um, he certainly had a lot of advantages that we would not have in engaging somebody. But there's, there's also things that we could look at, like this woman is coming to the well at noon, the hottest part of the day, to draw her water. What's wrong with her? That's right. Perceptive, yeah. She doesn't have any friends that she goes to the well with. She just didn't fit in with the rest of the girls at the at the right time of the day. Yeah. So, so there are there are some cues that we, even though we're not the son of God, and we can know that she's had five husbands, but we can know that there's something wrong here. That she's out by herself. Yeah. Be perceptive, be aware, and be be spirit led. The spirit can reveal those things. And then I also put, he wasn't ashamed of who he was. Verse twenty six, I who speak to you am he. I'm a Christian. This is who I am, and this is what I believe. Because <laughs> uh, I think sometimes there's a. There's a reluctance even there for us to, 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 to boldly say this is who I am. Uh, Seven twenty nine, yeah. And he, that you can read the rest of this on your own. He he then engages his disciples. Come back. What are you doing? And so there's even more lessons to learn from Jesus in this this conversation Jesus has with his disciples. And then you watch and see her and there are people who because of her faith and her experience who came saw heard and then they believed well there's there's a lot there we have we we just did the first half of this so um 
Any, anything else before we um, close for the night? It's enjoyable just to read God's Word and talk about it and pray together. It really is. Whether it's a whole bunch of us or a few. Let me say a prayer. Father, we've looked at this story before. I've looked at it countless times. And in my heart, in a positive way, burns with um, joy, with interest. As I look at it once again, because your word is so living and active and so alive. And we thank you for this beautiful story. There's, there's so many approaches we could have to this story and so many lessons to learn. But this one on just how to, how to help people from where they are to bring them to a closer place of knowledge of you and faith in you. And um, I thank you for your model and for your example. And help us to be aware of, of what we've seen in your example tonight. And help us to look for these divine appointments and to be spirit-led. To be cognizant of people that are empty and thirsty and that you've given us that which fills their thirst. Give us boldness. Give us courage. Give us sensitivity. and Give us truth and conviction. But give us love and compassion as well. Use us. We offer ourselves to you as your instruments. To follow your example, Lord Jesus, in, in making disciples of all nations. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the Senior Minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.